As they're being dismissed, if you'll find Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to find it. And I'd like for us to pray again. Um, We pray a lot when we're together because we really, truly do need the Lord to do these works that we long for in our hearts. Hebrews chapter 2. And let's pray together. Father, we're now standing before your word. Just people um, unable to bring about change in our hearts and in our church on our own. We come needy. uh, We come hungry. We come, some of us, tired. Maybe distracted. Maybe burdened. Or help us to respond to and receive Jesus' invitation and promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let these next moments be deeply restful, deeply nourishing. Please help us to understand. Help us to receive your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like us to read the entire chapter together. And you can follow along in your Bible or up on the wall here. We're going to read the entire chapter, but we're really only going to focus during the sermon on the first paragraph. But this will give us the full context. So I know um, it can be difficult on a Sunday morning to listen to a lot of reading. I know it can make you sleepy. I understand that. Um, I want to run that danger anyway. Because God's word is so powerful and it's so beautiful. And I do believe it goes forth and accomplishes its purposes. So uh, when we read like this, in my mind, it's like scattering seed out. And who knows what will grow from it. So let's give ourselves to God's word now. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we will see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, 
I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, uh, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's a big chapter. It's not just big in the sense that it's long. It's jam-packed with deep theological thinking. There's lofty phrases that we could spend months on. But I've committed to do Hebrews in the summer. So we are going to focus on the first paragraph, which is uh, verses 1 through 4. Now, as we settle into this, I want to remind you of what Hebrews is generally. Um, At the very end of Hebrews, we're going to eventually come to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, which says, this is him wrapping it up. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. That's what the author sees Hebrews as being, a word of exhortation. That's not a word that we use a lot. Exhortation, I exhort thee. Did anyone say that phrase? You're trying to get out of the house. Your kids won't move along. I exhort thee. Let's go. No, we don't talk like that anymore. So I need to remind you of what exhortation means. It basically means calling. For God to exhort us, which is what he is doing through Hebrews, is for God to call us. Now, how many of you in your life, especially folks at Carabrock stage in life, long for God to just make clear his calling on you. Just show me a sign, Lord. Just speak to me in an audible voice. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Which of these, which choice should I make in this decision? Well, today I can tell you with confidence, God is speaking to you and he is calling to you. He's exhorting each of us in this paragraph we're going to study. I'm going to boil it down to one statement. Um, There it is. Okay, this is the sermon in a sentence. Um, I'm going to boil it down to this statement for you. And then I'm going to kind of show you why I believe that's what this says. And I'm going to give you four takeaways. And that's it. It's going to be fairly simple. Well, we'll see. It seems simple to me, but we'll see. So here it is, the sermon in a sentence. This is the calling that God is giving us this morning. We must pay much closer attention to Jesus's message than any other, or we will drift into disaster. We must pay much closer attention to Jesus's message than any other message, or we will drift into disaster. Now that all comes from this first paragraph, which is a knot. It it is tied all into a confusing knot. If you didn't understand it when we first read it, don't feel bad. I've been trying to understand it all week. Um, 
Let me just sort of try to untangle the knot of these verses for us before I give you the four takeaways. So you'll see some words bold and you'll see a verse in italics. The first word we come to is therefore. Whenever you see therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? I've told you all that before, right? When, when you start a passage with the word therefore, it's like starting a conversation with the phrase, which is why. If your phone rings and you pick up and the first thing you hear is, which is why we need to pay more attention to Jesus, like I always told you. You're going to think, I entered into the middle of something here, didn't I? You don't start off a conversation with, which is why. You don't start off a passage of scripture with, therefore. It's linking us to what came before it. So last week we read all about how Jesus is way more awesome than angels. That's what, that's what he's saying. Because Jesus is way more awesome than angels... Therefore, okay, so all the momentum going in is about angels. So kind of keep that in mind. So based on that, based on the fact that Jesus is way more awesome than angels, we must pay much closer attention. Now, the Greek there is actually a nautical term. It's something that they used in regard to ships coming in to dock. Um, It literally is the word have plus the word towards. So he's saying we we must have towards what we have heard. We must pay more attention. We must bring ourselves into dock at what we have heard like a ship. Therefore, we must pay, not just we must pay attention, we must pay much closer attention. Now remember, this is all in reference to Jesus being better than angels. So he's not saying you need to pay better attention than you used to. He's saying you need to pay much closer attention than you do to the angels' messages. It's a comparative thing. All this comparison between Jesus and angels is just meant for us to see how glorious Jesus is. In comparison to angels, in comparison to any other messages you may receive, Jesus is more important. So we must pay much closer attention to him than anything else, than any other source of input into our lives. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What we have heard is clarified. um, If you'll go to the next slide, it's clarified in the last part of verse 3 and verse 4. This message, the message that was declared at first by the Lord, was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by all this miraculous stuff. That's the message that we've got to dock at, that we've got to pay more attention to. Okay, hang with me. I know this feels like school. I just got to prove to you that I'm not making this up. This is what the text says. Okay, so go back to the one we were just at. So therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift. If we don't do this, if we don't heed God's call, we will drift. Another nautical term. Okay, it's the options are dock ourselves, tie ourselves to what we've heard about Jesus Christ, or we'll drift, we'll drift away. And then he clarifies that idea a little bit. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Since what the angels told us proved to be true, 
And since if we disregarded what they said, there was consequences, how much more can we trust that what Jesus has told us is true? And how much more dire will the consequences be for ignoring it? It's really, really important that we pay attention to what we've heard from and about Jesus Christ. More important than if you pay attention to anything else, more important than your college studies were, is paying attention to Jesus Christ. That word neglect, sorry, that word neglect uh, just means what you think. It means to be unmoved and unconcerned with. And it clarifies what he means by drifting away. Drifting away is settling into numbness about Jesus. Settling into just not caring. So, okay, so there's how I got to it. All right. So if I lost you, you can come back now. And I'm going to give you just four simple takeaways. Okay, four simple truths. This is the first one. There is no message as important as Jesus's message. There's no message as important as Jesus's message. Not even close. You know, when I I gave Kara a book, I always give books as gifts because I love books. And um, that's just what I do. And I, I love to go to bookstores and I love to read books. And I love to check books out of the library, even though I know I won't have time to read those books. In preparation for Hebrews, I went to Gordon Conwell's library and I checked out their maximum load of 25 books. Okay, they're my friends. I like them. And, but I'm getting more and more picky because I know I don't really have time to read as much as I'd like to. So in trying to pick out a book, I mainly focus not so much on the topic, but on the author. Who wrote this? What are their qualifications? Who, who, what other people that I respect have endorsed it? You know, you look at a book jacket and it has endorsements by other people. If we run that same test through Jesus, he stands so far and above and beyond any other author, any other source. There's no comparison at all to even be made. There is no message as important as his. You know, some of you who are in house to house, one of your questions, if you used my prompts, was to work together to try to list out everything in chapter one about Jesus that you found. Um, I sort of did my own through chapter one and chapter two, and here's what I came up with. Okay, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is God's final and complete communication to humanity. The heir of all things the one through whom God created the world, the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature, the upholder of the universe, the one who made purification for our sins, the one seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, much superior to angels, God's only begotten son, worshiped by the angels, the king of the eternal kingdom, The one who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. The one who's more glad than anyone else who's ever been. He is eternal. He is unchanging. He is the one to whom God subjected the world to come. He is crowned with glory and honor. He is in control of everything. He is the one who tasted death for everyone. He is the one for whom and by whom all things exist. He is the one who brings many sons to glory. He is the one who is made perfect through suffering. 
He is the one who sanctifies or sets apart and makes holy. He is our brother. He is the one who partook of humanity to destroy the devil and deliver us from the fear of death itself. He is merciful. He is the faithful high priest. He is the one who makes propitiation for sins, which means he satisfies God's wrath against sin in himself. He is the one who suffered temptation in order to help those of us who struggle with temptation. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. No other figure in any other religion is like Jesus. No other authority on any subject is like Jesus. And therefore, there is no message as important as Jesus' message. So I want you to pause and consider your sources of intake for messages through the week. Think about what you take in. Think about the, the news sites you visit or the news programs you watch or listen to on the radio. Think about the podcast if you do that. Think about the blogs you frequent and read. Think about the books you read. Think about the conversations you have. Think about the television, the magazines, the Pinterest, the Facebook. Think about your own thinking and your own mind. All these messages we're inundated, we're flooded with. It's like we're in this strong current that is forever pulling us away from Jesus Christ. All these little messages, they may be true, they may be good, but none of them are anywhere near as important as the message of Jesus Christ. Where it says much closer there, therefore we must pay much closer attention. That original language is the idea of like exaggeratedly much closer attention. Like it should be almost ridiculous how much more attention we, we pay to Jesus's words than anybody else's. So the next takeaway I want to give to you, we are each either docking or drifting. Those are the only two options. We are either docking or we are drifting. You know, when you came and you parked, I'll bet you didn't tie your car to anything. Unless you just have a really, really broken down old car. You, you put it in park, you probably didn't even put the parking brake on. And you got out and it, you expect it to be there when you go back. Okay, now imagine that this wasn't a land you know, parking lot, but this was on a waterway and you had to drive your boat to church this morning. Okay, wouldn't that be neat? Okay, it's a whole different scenario if you're parking your boat. Okay, you don't just sort of cruise up by the pier and just try to jump off and just hope you'll find your boat later. You, you pull it in carefully and you tie it down. That's docking and that's what God is calling us to do right now. Pay close attention. Steer yourself, have toward Jesus Christ, his message and the message about him and dock there and tie yourself to it because we are living in a strong current. We are boats in a stormy sea in a strong current and it is always, always, always pulling and pushing us away from Jesus Christ. There is no sitting still. If you're not actively tying yourself to Jesus, you are drifting. And why not? I mean, nothing else is static. Nothing else stays the same. You know, your cell phone is dying right now and you'll have to dock it. 
Just as your cell phone dies, we drift away from Jesus unless we take action. Just as our fat accumulates, we drift away from Jesus unless we take action. Just as your grass and weeds grow, we drift away from Jesus unless we take action. Just as your cars get dirty, they're getting dirty right now as we speak. You probably just washed it yesterday and it's probably disgusting already. We drift away from Jesus unless we take action. Just as your clothes wear out and become unfashionable, we drift away from Jesus unless we take action. This is the state of life until he returns. We're in a constant current away from Christ. Since drifting is constant, docking must be a constant. So there's no message as important as Jesus's and we're all always either docking or drifting. Third, in order to dock, in order to pay much closer attention, I, I don't believe, I, I believe this is true. We don't need more of the message. We need more engagement with the message. I don't think that we need more of the message. I think we need to engage with it in more real and deep and practical ways. You're all here right now. So, and most of you are often here, always here. I don't actually think that you need more Bible intake necessarily. I think more likely what we need is to actually engage with what we already know. Okay, so look back into your text here. The calling is to pay much closer attention to what we've heard already. It's not to hear more, it's to pay attention to what we've already heard. Remember, these people didn't have a printed New Testament. They're going from memory of what they've heard. I think we take a um, cologne approach to our faith in Christ rather than a toolbox approach. I think we think we can come on Sundays and sort of spritz a little bit and get it on us. And then we just go and do our life and hopefully we're going to still have this Christianity kind of residue on us and it'll all be good. When in reality, it's a lot more like a toolbox and you've got to open it up and you've got to grab hold of it and you've got to make use of it in real ways with your real life. The contrast here isn't hearing a lot and not hearing enough. It's paying attention or neglecting. I don't think y'all need to hear more. I don't think I need to hear more. I think we need to take seriously what we've already heard, what we're hearing right now, in order to dock and not drift. And this is, this is the situation. It's the situation for me, even as a pastor, I'm in the word aplenty. And I love it, and I, I'm in there every day, and I really, really do love it. But just to give you a brief word of testimony for myself, the beginning part of this last week was horrendous for me and not because of anything circumstantially, everything's going fine, but because I allowed myself to drift away from Christ, even while studying the word, you know, several times through the week in preparation to teach and preach. But see, for me, as I've shared with you before, I have to, I have to dock in the morning at 6 a.m., when before the children are awake, with my Bible and my cup of coffee and my journal, I have to do that. And if I don't, I drift away, regardless of my studies for you guys. I drift away because 
I'm not engaged with this in the same way as I am when it's just me sitting there with God. Him speaking to me directly. With this, I feel like I'm engaged with it and I'm trying to apply it to my own life, but I'm so burdened with the fact that I know the deadline's coming and I've got to be able to explain this. It can so easily become academic. Now, I only share that with you to alert you to the fact that mere exposure to this doesn't do anything. We've got to really engage with it. And that brings me to my last point. Neglect is as dangerous as transgression and disobedience. Neglect is just as dangerous as transgression and disobedience. So in verse 1, he gives you the big calling, pay attention lest you drift. And then in verse 2, he contrasts it with the angels again. And he says, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, I think he's putting transgression, disobedience, and neglect in league with one another. I think they're all in the same category. They're all going to trigger just retribution. Retribution. Now, we don't think that neglect is a serious sin. But we have to see here in the text that it is. It's serious. It's dangerous. And just as much as um, going out and doing the wrong thing triggers consequences, so does neglect. So does allowing ourselves to become uncaring about Jesus Christ and the salvation he's given to us. So does uh, failing to work out our salvation into our lives. I told the folks there in Sunday school that I had a misconception about Hebrews when I began to study. I knew that the book was written to a group of Christians who were turning away. And I thought that they were turning away because they were undergoing intense persecution. But as I've been studying the book, I don't believe that's the case. And the Sunday school people can tell you verbatim why, because I taught that to them. I don't think they were persecuted at all at this point. They had been in their past, but at this point, they were just neglecting. They were just taking their hands off the wheel. They were just stepping back from it of their own volition. And that's our danger. That's what's going to get us. If anything gets us, it's going to be neglect. Lack of concern. This not affecting us. Numbness. The, the, the growing ability to come in here and hear a sermon while harboring all sorts of evil sin and unrepentance and then walk out and have lunch and laugh and ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to grow hard and we're going to grow dull of hearing. That's our danger. Nobody's going to come storming through our doors anytime soon from the government with guns shutting us down. I don't think we're going to see that. Not in my generation. I really doubt it. Maybe I'm wrong. Our danger is going to be drifting. Subtle, slow, comfortable, sleepy even, cozy even, drifting. That's what will kill us. If we don't heed God's call, it's not going to be aggression from the outside. It's going to be apathy from within. It's not going to be spears. It's going to be sports. It's not going to be prison. It's going to be Pinterest. It's not going to be arrests. It's going to be entertainment. 
It's not going to be violence. It's going to be mildness. It's not going to be bombs or boiling water. It's going to be busyness. That's what will take us down. Unless, unless, unless we heed God's call, God's exhortation. You know, I had forgotten until I had spent an embarrassingly long amount of time in this text that this was the text that made me want to start house to house. I forgot. This was the text that I read one day. And as your pastor was struck so deeply with concern that my teaching might actually kill you if I do not pastor you into applying it. And so I thought, well, let's have a time where we come together and discuss it together and really, really work this out into our lives. I forgot that this is the one. And you don't have to do house to house, but we must take our time and be specific and be concrete and be practical with the way we attend to Jesus's message. We can't be vague about it. We can't spritz it on like cologne. We have to have toward it. We have to devote ourselves to it. We have to dock there. We must pay much closer attention to Jesus' message than any other, or we will drift away into disaster. So let's pay much closer attention to Jesus' message than any other. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, I... I pray that you'll forgive me for how often I drift and that you will forgive us for how often we drift and that you would help us to pay close attention to this message today, to Jesus's message of salvation, that you sent your only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Help us to attend to that and to every corollary thereof, to, to every way in which that works its way into our everyday life. Help us to dock there and not drift away. In Jesus' name, amen.